Hey, John. Hi, Marcy. <laughs> How's it going? It's good. I've missed you. I've missed you. It's been a bit. It's been a bit, but you've been like doing big girl things. I have, but mostly just listening to you and honorary pop culture theologian and Jeanette. You Hello. guys have been killing it. Hey, and Jeanette. I'm here. I'm present. <laughs> I'm accounted for. Like the Holy Spirit, she comes to join us. We have to discuss her favorite topic. <laughs> the Windsor. Anything and all things royal. Right. Right. How's this it going, is, this everyone? This is the threesome I've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Pop Culture Theologians. If you're new around here, you should probably look at our archive. There's a lot to listen to. John, how about you break it down? Break down who we are, where we can find each other. Yes. Kiki. Well, you know, you can always find us kicking on social media, um, but we are the pop culture theologians. We are academics that worship at the altar of pop culture. We find religion, culture, morality, sometimes ethics, <laughs> and all the ways in which we see our favorite TV shows, movies, books. Um, Marcy's still on the crimes of Grindelwald. Um, we'll more on that later. Forever. Uh, but forever but you know we are here um big shout out to our host site the engaged gaze um exciting news that Anjanette, phd and is going to be starting to write a monthly series for us so stay tuned for that um but you can follow us there and as well on the show at pop theologians on all the interwebs um you can follow me at my basic handle at j erickson 85 um marcy where can we follow you Ugh, mine's so basic now too. You, you, y'all can find me at Martha Ovidia on Twitter. I got off the Facebooks, like all of the Gen Zers I'm imitating, so I'm pretty much there and on Instagram. <laughs> How about you, Anjanette? Where can we find you? Um, you can only find me right now on TikTok, PhD Ange, or Instagram at Barcelona Ange. I can't, I can't handle the Twitter. I need boundaries. My, I mean, my whole life is now just scrolling through TikTok in search of endorphins. So uh, yes. I totally get it. I totally get it. I so, mean, between me and you and our friend Kirsten, like, the TikTok sharing is is a new love language of mine. I agree. What I love is when you realize that there is absolutely nothing you could send to your friends has not already come across their for you page why because the algorithms are the same why because you're fam your kindred spirits like i have yet i think to send you anything that you are like totally already saw it same and yet we send it from love because that's that's the actual way we show love in 2021 or extended 2020 i feel like it's december 47th of the year of our lord 2020 um which those are cursed words, Marcy. 2020, those are cursed yeah. words. Fuck, man. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, what the fuck has been going on. Yeah, what the fuck happened this week, Marcy? Well, I want to start with the obvious, which is I am now a widow. Mm. I no longer as have, as a, I no longer have my, my husband, my first and forever husband, um, Christopher Plummer passed away today. The captain. The age of 91. I know. Mm. And like, I was like telling a friend, like, honest to God, 
he is probably the reason I joined a cult and (laughs) why I have like humongous like power like daddy issues because that man when I was like five with that whistle was just confusing in a great way but confusing and here I am 36 years later and I'm like (sighs) I miss you I mean, I he's still trying to figure it out. I feel like I'm going to marry a widower with children because I just like, I just want my own Captain Pontrap. Yeah. Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Um, can, I, can, I, I, can I admit something? You've never seen The Sound of Music. Oh my God. Yes, I, of course I have. <laughs> is, that a legal, is that legal in this country? I don't even Ooh. know. Um, I thought he died like last year. <laughs> You know what, John? I can't even fault you at this point because twenty twenty took a lot of people. It's right. Twenty twenty has been relentless. Twenty twenty one has not proven to be that much better, but here we are. Better not um, take Betty White or Julie Andrews. I can't do it anymore. Oh, I said the same thing out today. There. Don't put that out there. No, no I'm no. putting some. I'm doing some. We're, no, we're like. We're putting that protective kind of like yes. circle around those that we need to to stay with us. Um, so other new, so obviously I'm a widow now, so I'm available. Um, I'm also uh, divorced as of today because my husband ate Chromatica Oreos and didn't share them, and I feel like that is a fundamental violation of our marriage vows. It is. Period. It is. Period. I bought six packages. <laughs> I still haven't tried them. <laughs> I haven't tried them either. I haven't. I heard they taste like the marshmallows from uh, cereal, which is a really good description for me. Like, now I'm actually hunting them down. <laughs> you can buy them on the Target app. That's how I found them. Yeah, I have heard that. Babe, you're in West Hollywood. Some of us are in, like, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and where is that middle of nowhere again, Marcy, just in case? But, I like, I'm in the middle of, like, Republicanville, California, and I, I can get them through my Target. Republicanville, California is still California. And it is not still California. Mercy, Having where? lived in the Inland Empire, it is still California. That's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else is happening? What else is news? Well, one of my favorite things is Fox News and a whole host of their buffoons are getting sued. Big time. And apparently, uh, the way that I saw it worded is a lawsuit that has teeth. So not frivolous at all. Apparently, it could actually do significant damage. They have um, a lot of and um, evidence and yeah. Yeah. And so for people listening, this matters because we have a disinformation uh, issue in this country that uh, is fueled by a million inequities. But attacking the propaganda loudspeaker would be a first step. Right. So at a minimum, using like defamation lawsuits and uh, and and just saying, like, tell the truth. Right. And what the cost is of not telling the truth could make a dent. It could. And it I, could, I also saw an article saying that they're the Justice Department has also on linking the information that Fox News was spreading prior to January 6th and after. Interesting. Could also, they can link um, sedition and being a part of a traitorous organization. Uh, it's so weird. So I obviously I haven't podcasted since our insurrection, but um, I am going to die on the hill 
of until I see these people actually held accountable for what happened, I will not stop talking about it. I'm just not going to. The, um, The live testimonies on the floor last night were absolutely gutting. Um, I think that as someone who particularly works within storytelling and communications, there is a very concerted effort to not tell the story of January 6th, because if you tell the story, then we're responsible for not only what happens afterward, but we're responsible for how we got there, right? Right. Uh, We can ask the Windsors what happens when you try to manipulate the story and then the truth comes out and then you have to deal with it. It just is, it's not, it's like the arc of justice while slow always bends towards goodness. It bends towards doing the right thing. It just takes a really long fucking time. Uh, I feel like we should have at a minimum removed a bunch of people from from office. I think it also plays into we have had a generation upon generation of acquiescence. Yep. That we need to be polite and acquiesce and say let's move on for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Let's not harp on it. Let's not deal with it. Let's just grin and bear it. And there is now that will no longer tolerate acquiescence and says no, there needs to be a reckoning and there needs to be and so it's slow, but it's also faster than it I mean, would is, have. Is, isn't that why we're on TikTok? There's nothing more refreshing than seeing right. this upcoming generation that's like, I'm sorry, we actually meant it when we said no justice, no peace. That's right. Like, right? Like, we learned from our ancestors, like, there is no such thing as harmony that doesn't play to white fragility. And until there is justice, there's no peace. You cannot even make that ask of us. And it's like, yes yes and i want to take credit for you babies but no you guys are your own magic like absolutely your own magic uh we're too broke to be creating magic at this point as elder millennials uh so and i mean look margaret marjorie taylor green just got removed from all of her committees right right in a bipartisan vote even though it's only 11 it's a bipartisan vote still bipartisan God is real. That lady. The thing is, the worst part about it is like, this is just traditional, like it is, uh, you know, poking the bear. I mean, she's fundraised over, I think, $150,000 off of this, you know, because it's not just people from her district in Georgia giving her money. Guess what? She's getting the outside money from this. Um, but, oh, yeah. you know, it is like just a cur- It's just like a... Um, a call for, you know, arms in many ways. And the fact that like, she doesn't believe that people should assassinate Nancy Pelosi anymore. And she's just admitting these things. is just disgusting and horrible. And she honestly, is just the worst. She, I don't know, is it her or Prince Charles? I I have yet to determine who's the worst, but um, I leave it for TikTok to decide their ultimate fates. I do think there's a a thing that we can harp on as academics is that it's interesting that it's getting censured yet mm-hmm. josh harley ted cruz devin nunez mitch mcconnell lindsey graham who have been very open about it before january 6th have not been censured have not been removed from their committees have not and why would had- that be Anjanette? why, why so weird so and i mean it's so, I want to see her removed and, and taken off, but I also am like, wait a second, we're also sacrificing the woman and not looking at the 15 men 
behind right. her and brought her up as the scapegoat and making her fall on her glass cavern. She's got to go. No, uh, they all got to go. Not only 100%, but we're actually, it's, it's also, I, I was reading a little bit about this and hopefully I can phrase this right. There's a certain level of ableism and classism that's happening with her, right? So there is, look, this woman, I say this in the same way that I said, I was not surprised that the first person that died at the insurrection was a woman. What side she was on did not matter to me. The fact that it was a woman mattered to me. This woman, Marjorie, is not well. So two truths can exist in the same plane, right? Uh, right. She needs to be removed. She is a danger and there needs to be consequences for that type of behavior. She also needs help. She needs help. She has been radicalized. And the fact that the lens is on her, right, versus some of the members that we would cut, like, as a society within these, like, absolutely ridiculous metrics be like this is a person who is very smart this is a person who is calculated this is not a person who is unwell like no touching like even amongst democrats like very little chatter of like any sort of repercussions it's like no the the fucking hysterical woman over there will touch like a hundred percent and it's like i'm all for going over to the hysterical woman because she needs to be dealt with but you need to deal with the hysterical men over there who are more right. maniacal, more the maniacal, the uh, men calculated mm -hmm. the calculatedness of this whole thing, uh, brings me back to the Hunger Games. And I'm like, y'all, every step is like six feet, and like it is six feet ahead of us, and we're like watching it happen, and everyone's like, so surprising. It's like none of this is surprising, literally. It's, it's, right. It was spelled out for all of us. Because um, we all know who's running for president in 2024. And let me tell you, they're all the white men that are in the Senate right now. And they are yeah. the ones that are being enabled and further pushed. And there's no, like, no justice, no peace on this thing. Like, no I mean, justice. We, this no is, peace. this was another 9-11. I mean, 9-11 happens almost every day a few months ago. Worse, because, because it was on our, it was by Americans. No, it was a terrorist, was it was a, a terrorist a, incident. A foreign entity. Yes. Whereas, yeah, we got to make that distinction and use the rhetoric of what's. Right. I, th I think in particular to that, like, worst comment, it's the fact that we have shown our cards and our true colors at being unable to name white violence as violence, right? right? We were so quick to immediately misplace uh, blame on um, the Afghan community, but it, but immediately to place blame and be like, this is terrorism. Don't look at the Saudis, but it's terrorism, right? But when it's white folks, um, particularly uh, a specific subset of white folks, it was like, let's just let's just think of some really creative dialogue around this, right? Um, and yeah, uh, to, to Anjanette's point, you tell the truth, you name the thing, and you keep doing that until people stop calling it other things. So I actually think this connects to this episode of <sighs> The Crown, which mm. is, I've watched it now this season through probably like three times. And um, it's interesting because there is this sentence that is uttered by Charles, which I think is where this connection is. Um, oh my God, what is it? He calls his and Diana's marriage a grotesque like misalliance, right? And I think we are seeing a grotesque misalliance right now with extremely negative consequences that could have been predicted from anyone 
with a 10-foot pole um, happening. So I think with that, we jump into this episode. What do y'all think? I think if we're going to start talking about white violence, the only way to go is to talk about Prince Charles. That's (laughs) right. And and Camilla. It's Charles and Camilla because they're the worst together. You guys are going to be so annoyed with me when we get to this. But yes, well, let's dive into the episode of The Crown, episode 10, War. Aptly titled. Okay, right. let's, let's let's do Let's fight. Not yet, actually. We don't have to fight yet. <laughs> so this, this episode, I think, for me, starts off with this, like, super foreboding scene of, like, Charles and Diana with Prince William, Wills, for Anjanette and I, who have been close with him since we were kids, Wills. Um, And it's a lonely scene. It is just two parents who are clearly a little busy (laughs) and a little too privileged (laughs) to be hands-on, right? Like they're very formal with him as they leave him at school. They're clearly caught up in their miserable existence. And you get this kind of broad shot of, of Will's just kind of like, hikes, mom, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel, I, maybe it's because I follow the Royals so closely today that that feels so foreboding, right? It just, it feels oddly like, oh, like y'all get your shit together. It's <laughs> awful child, for those kids. It's needs so blood. bad. A child it's, needs it's, love. The childhoods are no, it's, it's not a childhood that it's not. Want it's not. Yeah. I don't know if you, in one of our past episodes, um, in some kindness to Charles, I mentioned that I thought that uh, hereditary royalty by default to a certain extent is abusive uh, because yeah. it, it denies humans of an existence and a purpose outside outside of a very privileged and gilded cage, but a cage nonetheless. Um, mm-hmm. Under any other circumstances, if we were to hear of a parent be like, you can't go to school, you can't have friends, you have to marry a virgin, you have to do X, Y, Z, we'd all be like, that's a human rights violation. But because it happens within uh, the walls of Buckingham Palace, we're like, you're really fucking lucky. <laughs> and so, right. right, it's 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 a little, it's a little, um, it's, it, it is what it is, right? And we're seeing it play out. So talk to me. I think that's ab- where it's like a difference. You see it in the choices that Will and Harry have made for their own children. Yes. Is very clearly an, indic- an indicator of the traumas that that growing up in the royal family as a child. Right. Gave. And that Will has been very, him and Kate have, you know, chosen a different school for the children that, he was not given an option for and you know we all know that mary um harry and megan they said peace out bye <laughs> they made a massive decision i think we'll touch on that as we get to the conversation with um with diana and prince philip at the end i think it actually reflects a lot in the decisions that oh, yeah. wills and harry have made um but first let's touch on another woman <laughs> that i'm totally fine hating on forever and ever amen in perpetuity infinity sign infinity tattoo on my lower back can we talk about what happens to the iron lady miss thatcher you mean julia caesar julia caesar oh man julia caesar is the perfect name for her thank you you're welcome i'm here all week beautiful beautiful work there she definitely well you know although i love 
Jillian Anderson's performance of her, there is this like, you know, there's this whole like resurgence of like Margaret Thatcher with people like, quote unquote, loving her, but it's because they place those feelings onto the actresses they love playing her versus actually knowing Margaret Thatcher's policies because half the people would never support Margaret Thatcher if they actually knew what she's like Reaganism. I was about to say Reaganism or right, like no one has benefited more from the Trump legacy than the Bush legacy. Yeah. Right. It's just oh, when you put them upside to side, you're like, oh my God. I mean, <laughs> I almost cried when I saw him at the inauguration. I was like, what? I know. I know. And I think Thatcher and her legacy have benefited from like a Boris Johnson, right? And and to oh, a certain yeah. extent, the buffoonishness of so, there's something to be said about there's and this this hits on on Ted Cruz. There's something to be said about a malignant force that is informed, right? Mm-hmm. Versus just a fucking idiot, right? <laughs> I wish I had different language. Y'all knew, y'all know I'm a sailor, but you know, we we have watched a different type of nefarious leadership. And mm-hmm. it's very difficult to navigate, like to navigate what you do with it because uh, there's no strategy behind it, right? There's no um, there's no historical precedence that you're like, I know where they're going with this. It is quite honestly, I mean, populism by demand is is like this, but it's at new levels of of like buffoon, wild, what what is happening, um, which would lead to folks being like, well, Thatcher, you know, because I've seen some of the stuff where it's like, you know, she believed in austerity, like she she really believed in some of that, you know, like you have to bring yourself up. Now everyone just wants a handout. And it's like, <sighs> So this is how we're going to And the, and the stabilism, that, that false sense we had, we had such a, a stable government under Thatcher because she was, you know, she's the third longest reigning prime minister of, right. with 11 years. And um, she beats Ch- Churchill even. Churchill only had eight. And so she has 11 years and they have this nostalgia, the, the trap of nostalgia. Of, mm-hmm. Oh, well, 11 years under Thatcher and look at what we didn't like well no actually you had minor strikes and you had really stupid wars three different wars like uh the want to get out of the commonwealth was based on like being anti-black and anti like 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 it was xenophobic it wasn't from a place of let's let's do the right and just thing and decolonize it was we shouldn't be associated with these people yeah no her legacy is just um i can't believe we're rewriting it in real time so let's break down what actually happened to her for those Gen Zers or who, whatever we call them who didn't that watch may it. not know right. um, that actual history. So um, for those that do not know, Thatcher was at the at her end of her tenure here, and it was uh, up and it was up and coming to the new election, and her party was it was showing that they were not going to get a seat, and mm-hmm. that's who declares the prime minister is what party has the majority voting and her party was slipping in the polls and yeah i would say the, she was not particularly cognizant that she was coming up on her end though the writing was on the wall yeah um yeah but sir it's sir joffrey howe is that how you say it how mm-hmm. yeah her right. he was her um prime minister like so the unexpectedly pretty much is like 
no confidence whatsoever. I, I just, I think we should move. I think we should move on from this, which to Americans is, is kind of like, what does that mean? Like, what would the equivalent of that mean? Like the closest thing we've got would be if someone like Pence was like, maybe we do invoke the 25th. <laughs> like it's a, like a back to a certain extent, she would have viewed it as a backstab. It's actually a political move that was smart for the party, but for her as a politician to have her party be like, you should probably step down is unprecedented because parties didn't do that to each other. Um, yeah. There wasn't that. Not that publicly the, even. Not like that he, publicly. He announces it in front of the entire, uh, that right. he's stepping down and he need, he views the fact that Margaret Thatcher no longer should be heading the party nor the, which is a, why she's Julius Caesar. Right. I mean, in real time, uh, British folks saw a party to, I mean, not collapse, but, but turn on itself. Um, something we would love to see happen here in the U.S. I, I will pay-per-view it. I Just let me see it. Let me see it, please. This is actually a great example of what did not happen here. <laughs> a good example States. of what has not it, happened it yet. It really here. is, because this would be like someone actually saying, oh, yeah, this should occur, right? Like, it didn't, right? Because... Yeah, it would have been like Pence mid-election saying, I don't want to be the vice president and I don't support Trump. Right, and right. That's our, that's a better example than the 25th. Yeah. yeah, it would be like, I don't want to be here and I don't think he should be here either. XOXO Gossip Girl, right? Like, would be amazing. Um, so in, in this episode, we get some revisionist history, right? So Thatcher is really stiff upper lipped about it. Um, and then in a scene with the queen, um, she asked for parliament to be dissolved, which I did some research did not happen unless it happened behind closed doors and we don't know about it. But historically there is no record of that happening. Peter Morgan's implication is she would, I think what he, he is trying to say is she would not be above asking for that. Power was by far her greatest drive, though others would say, you know, she was acting from a place of deeply, deeply believing in her, I don't want to call them principles, right? But I mean, like her, in, in her mission versus- It makes you wonder that if Margaret Thatcher would have supported the queen in the if the queen would have been entertained more of the idea of dissolving parliament, if they hadn't have had that tip. Right. That's something right. that couldn't happen. So yeah, it's, it's one of those that's not really. The main message that Peter Morgan, the creator tries to go back here to with this point is that regardless of if it happened or not, it's the queen who is that stable force that walks her off of this edge with like duty, action versus non-action and what that actually means. She he so I will add a bit that. of a caveat to that. So I've I've said this multiple times. Uh Peter Morgan has some type of issue with women with power, right? So with mm -hmm. Margaret Thatcher, it's that she's drunk with it, mm -hmm. right? With the Queen, in this scene, in this specific scene, we get a discussion of um the queen doing her usual thing, which Peter Morgan is convinced that the queen's like MO tattooed on her lower back tattoo is do nothing, right? Which um, we've heard time and time again. And so when the, 
the queen gave us this like super stuffy speech that we've heard her say to anyone who's ever asked her for help, do nothing. Uh, Margaret Thatcher says what has been unsaid for a very long time, you're the only person who benefits from a power perspective with doing nothing. If I do nothing, I have no power. You have power in doing nothing. And I just want to note that while in context of this scene, that makes sense, I am so sick and tired of the idea that the longest reigning female monarch who has lived through multiple wars is, has lived by and died by the idea of do nothing. Do I think that- At the expense of her own family. At the, at the expense of herself, her family, yeah. everyone, literally everyone's on the chopping block, right? Yeah. Do I think that she is, she lives by the motto of service in service of? Yes, but Peter Morgan drilling down the fact that like, she has no interior life, no opinions, no intellect, and that the reason that the monarchy survives is because this woman has stayed out of it. I, I'm just kind of like, blah. And clearly, clearly in his like disdain for, um, for women with power, you know, we get this kind of buildup to a Diana, right? We're about to switch actresses, um, which is very exciting. And I am prepared, at least myself, uh, to hate the depiction of Diana, because to me, it's going to be this mirror image of you can't win as a woman for Peter Morgan. If you do nothing, right? Like you're not present in the story. If you do something, how many times in the season have we heard the queen say like, well, you did that for yourself. Like Diana, every time right. she does I'm something like, good. I'm, I'm borderline terrified what they're going to do yes. with the Diana Doty storyline. And, and the Diana going off and getting, you know, friends in Hollywood and, and them saying, come right. here, we'll serve you. Like I am terrified of I, what yeah. that means in this season because you're right. Like there's been there's, no ethic of care right. for these women or their interior life. Unlike the ethic of care we get for every single man that has ever been on this show, including a dude who climbs up. Huh? Just, I mean, like we literally have an entire. Camilla. Like Peter Morgan, like he has a love for Camilla that I don't understand. And so let's let's start. I think the I let's dive into Camilla and Charles, and I'll tell you why I think he has a soft spot for Camilla. It's because she is the mistress. So by default, she props up Charles, right? So it's 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 a love by default. Um, and he views her to have no agency of her own either. So, so let's, let's get into, uh, this outline it hilariously says, petulant Charles, the mistress Camilla, and the awakening of Diana. You're welcome. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, so we've, it, we have taken a long road to finally get to a petulant Charles which mm-hmm. I think matters. While I don't love Peter Morgan's love of the interior life of every single man, man, including like the person who cuts the hedges, we needed a very intentional nuanced buildup of Charles. And I know y'all hate him, but <laughs> we needed that intentional humanization to dehumanization arc to understand how ugly this system is. And how no one was ever going to win in this system. Right. And, and I think there's also a level of 
care that I think he wants people to, to know that like Charles is still the heir and potential mm -hmm. king. And to have that care of this is potential. Because um, well, I mean, um, Peter Morgan is a royalist, right? Yeah. Uh, he is not interested in, I think hilariously, he's not interested in his show bringing down the crown. And, and yet somehow that has become an actual narrative. And I'm like, well, you do you boo, but, <laughs> but maybe don't revisit what made my parents' generation literally cold hearted, like Lady Stoneheart level unforgiving towards Charles and Camilla, right? And uh, the next king. That's the most important is, thing yes. to remember right. is that this conversation and season four in 2020, season five in 2022 will be it's a very difficult situation right now. Many people are very feeling about many, many things. But in 2022, let's just say certain things happen. Potentially, potentially he is king. Potentially, right. potentially Granted, he is king. let's never We're putting ever... some hedges. We're putting some hedges on Will. <laughs> like, but no, not only that. I don't know, man. The queen is living out of spite at this point. Like, oh, she told me. <laughs> I, I by my statement that she's all like, you got divorced, well, you're never going to be king. <laughs> I, I will outlive you. I will say nothing convinces me. And and I view I view Charles as a victim. A terrible mm -hmm. human, but I view him as a victim. But nothing convinces me more that he is a terrible human than the sheer force of will it takes to live this long for both his parents to live this long because they're like, we just know. No. Yeah. No. Um, it's, and it's the Holy Ghost working the magic, right? It it's it's like the Holy Ghost literally sitting there. There's been car accidents. Like, there's been COVID. There's just being in your 90s. There's a million reasons. Like, he looks worse. Charles looks worse, like, now than Philip and the Queen look. Like, my husband literally said Charles looks like he could be married to the queen. That is how old and like that is how far past his prime he is and how like however she sold her soul to the devil, she is still like she has looked the same for approximately 30 years now, right? Like she's just in a perpetual state of spite. Um so so in this episode we get some interesting interactions, right? So one of the things that struck me is they're both having affairs, right? They're both having affairs, and yet they're angry at each other for having affairs. And I can't help but wonder what this would look like if they just stopped being angry at each other for having affairs. And so the only thing that I can come to, um, which for friends that I have had who have gone through divorces or had affairs or anything like that, means that, and I, I actually truly believe this, there was some some sort of care right that was breached even if it was there for a little bit that was breached right because that fine line between love and hate is the line right like that is the line where you start to lose your your mind on like what makes sense so we get charles with the queen being like i cannot believe that she is still gallivanting with harry's father oh, i'm kidding right it's not harry's yeah. father but like she's out there gallivanting and it's and he never mentions camilla never even like gives no. like he's a selfish prick that's all like he's the pot killer what is it the kettle black and he's like mummy she's yeah. out there 
you know, having all these affairs. How and yet dare he, he she? probably just slept with Camilla before meeting with the queen. Right, right. That scene is so great because it's what's unsaid that you're like, and she get, gives like, him a dressing down that we ugh. all wanted her to do. I mean, that's the point, right? And it's like, and the and the show's- Is that your favorite that. scene? I, I don't think it's my favorite scene. I think this, um, there's like unspoken scenes in this show where the silence does more than like most episodes with how the acting goes. I still can always am thinking about the scene where she's talking to the regular guy or whatever in that one episode when Marcy and I broke that down. I think that was oh, a really- Oh, he stole into the- Yeah, I really think that's a unique scene. But more importantly about this point is that while they're Marcy saying, if they could just stop being angry at each other for having affairs and just carry on with their lives, I think the ultimate- straw that breaks the camel back camel's back is that they ultimately do very much love each other but they know in their own understanding that they will never be able to fulfill the other each other like diana knows that charles i disagree with you so hard i feel like my eyeballs just went in i don't think think they they are gonna i i think (laughs) i don't yeah i don't think charles ever loved diana um i think he owned her I think he viewed her as property. And which is why a lot of his actions and things that he did and said, like, I don't think there was any kind of appreciation. There might've been a resigning of, you know, I have to do what I have to do. And and then when the children were born, you're the mother of my children. Admiration, maybe a little bit in that. I mean, Um, look, to even be cruder, right? Like you don't have to love someone to have sex with someone right? right like you don't have to love someone to be attracted to them or to be to a certain extent like um like possessive over someone right particularly someone who wants you right so like if someone right. wants you and you can have them but they're not the ultimate object of your of your affection that doesn't mean you don't to a certain extent still have feelings of like okay that might not be my favorite sweater but it's my fucking sweater, right? And I think like when you combine that that reality that we all live with, with the fact that we've got a person who has been literally raised to have never tied his own fucking shoes, everything is his, everything, like it's like Simba, everything the light touches is yours. That's like literally how this man has been brought up. The idea that anyone would challenge that he does not have the authority to say you are mine within this context you must accept the context right like yeah i don't think he loved her i think she was to him what like the corgis are to the queen but even with like less love right, right. Possession. i mean the queen takes care the of the corgis are like and, yeah they're well taken care of no, diana def- was there to breed um yeah and, yeah and i yeah. think that plays into why he gets so angry why he gets so vindictive and why it's almost baseless care. Like he doesn't even, mm-hmm. there's no care in saying, Hey, I'm doing this affair. You're doing this affair because we're both lonely. We're both not satisfying each other. Like there's no care whatsoever. There's no empathy. Mm-hmm. There's no looking as a human or as a person with examples. And I think there's that level of, we've talked about that throughout this season, how Charles gets so frustrated with the fact that Diana shines and everyone yep. loves her. 
and no but that's one why we needed that nuance buildup right so we needed to know where the break happened for charles what that trauma was what that initial like scarring was that would lead to a man who instead of reveling in the fact that he is part of a dynamic duo that the royal family desperately needed only feels the exclusion only feels the comparison only feels the jealousy um we needed to know where that came from right because i think if we hadn't built up the rejection from his mom the fact that he struggled in school the fact that like he honestly just was like the man was born a 65 year old right like if you read his biographies on him he's like he loved like earl gray tea and a good antique book at age four right like this man was the epitome of not cool and then in steps in someone who instead of seeing her as elevating him right um he couldn't he couldn't move past it so we've got this new york trip right which i am chasing down some of these outfits from it did so well in the they're beautiful that they showed her going to the met um Mm -hmm. and i and i believe the the outfits that when she goes visits the children like spot on um yep i've been following if you don't a shout out to go fug yourself they do some recaps on the fashion from the show and what has actually been sourced uh vintage inspired and what has actually been recreated to mimic and why the decisions have been made for some that are super important and some that aren't um so for so this trip is big she fought for it i was gonna say you named this the people's princess moment this is a transition for her talk to me about that so she you know they're they're splitting they're they're fraying at the edges but life goes on with the crown and one of those things is that you know both the princess and the prince of wales are representations of the crown they were we talked about that in the ascension the hereditary principle episode where they are members of the council so they can be in proxy to the queen and um new york america is is saying hey why don't you come and talk about english and, and potential business relationships and the prince doesn't want it but diana's like i'll go i'll go sounds fun and she they're all like no you can't go and she's like i can go i can go and i can do this and she gets it's her first solo trip one of that will become one of many of representing the crown representing um her interest later on of of aid this is a really fundamental shift because she's by herself and she shines and everyone thinks, oh, she might crumble. She might, um, they blur her. She's unfit. She's unfit to do this um, trip. She's, she's not going to be able to do the strain and the, you know, multiple events in May. And she There's just, just such a layered attack towards her, right? So yeah, we they, know, they we know they've labeled her as like hysterical unwell right there's a misuse of like mental health language around her that the royal family used openly right not just internally at kensington palace openly discussing her mental health issues her um her struggles with bulimia and so there is to a certain extent a cruelty in this and then then they do like oh you're gonna be a bad mother because you're gonna be gone for three days 
Right. Hence, but yet the queen lasts for three months. Multiple the queen times. Lasts for years. Literally, if you, I saw someone add up the amount of time in Charles's early life that the queen was literally not even in England, it is years. It's years. And yet, and again, she can't win. So when she's like, I don't want to be away from my son on the trip to Australia, New Zealand, they were like, how dare you like get in line and then here she's doing exactly what they asked which is perform monkey perform and then it's like oh you're a terrible mother like she can not win and i will say that this for me is extremely triggering in light of following uh megan markle's kind of journey through the royal family because it is literally a you cannot win i also want to highlight that what is what is the ask of her because fundamentally we've gotten multiple royal members saying you never overshadow the crown you never overshadow the crown what does that mean what if i am fundamentally just more interesting than the crown or more empathetic or kinder or i'm just better at being around people than you are right and the, i think it is no surprise that particularly the folks who did not grow up within the firm have done very well with outside folks and done extremely badly with the interior courts of the British royal family. So, so here's the metrics, right? Go represent the royal family, don't embarrass us, and do good PR. What does she do? She goes and she nails it, right? Not only does she, she nails she it, she does a three eight, she Not, does like a three sixty because they think she's going to go shopping and she goes to hospitals and underprivileged areas right she's one of the first people ever so the scene at the harlem children's hospital right um which you know for all you little kids who don't know aids history you need to go look it up uh if you don't know your queer history you need to look it up here's where this is really important so at that time aids was being um i'll, I'll correct myself not just queer history that's the important part um AIDS was being billed as a gay man's disease, right? And Diana- Untouchable and- Right, and, right. Untouchable and connected to the sin of homosexuality. So she first stops off at the Henry Street Settlement, which was was treating adult, um, mostly men, but a lot, of, a lot of women as well who had AIDS and who were HIV positive. And then she stops at the Harlem Children's Hospital to highlight the fact that this is first off not just a gay man's disease two it is not contagious right it is not contagious and it is causing extreme harm to families and to communities that were primarily underserved right and under um protected by our healthcare system right who had historically been um left out of sexual health conversations so the particularly the touching the hugs which um which makes me think a lot, again, a lot of like the critiques of Meghan Markle of how performative everything she did was, they all mattered. So if you see the episode when she hugs that first little uh, boy at the Harlem Children's Hospital, that gained national attention on two fronts. One- International, it's not, it was international. International, it was international, sorry, international attention. One, it's not contagious, right? It's so not contagious that the Princess of Wales can hug this child and there's nothing to be afraid of. Two, these children who were in foster care are now pariahs in the system by default of the propaganda surrounding HIV positive and AIDS positive children. And apparently I looked it up, there was an uptick in, um, in folks who opened their homes to positive children. 
-hmm. right? So again, I would count this as not only a massive win, but a massive humanitarian effort to change narrative with the tools that she had in her pocket, which, you know, I mean, she was 27. A baby, a baby. And, and this, this changes the course of her 10 years of what becomes her mission of, of humanitarian empathy, compassion, being the people's prince is her ignition of who she is as a person that she comes into her being realizes the power that she holds the sway I would think that that's what she sat with when she came home forget everything we're about to discuss I think as a 27 year old who had who lacked like a formal education who lacked a lot of things she had a like aha moment of here's my toolkit right this these are the tools I have at my disposal and look what I can do with them why wouldn't I right? The question of why wouldn't I and the answer being because it will hurt Charles or because Charles wouldn't never occurs to her, which is why she is the people's princess. And he is just Charles, the old man who is waiting for his mother to die. And it's also really important to go back to the point that you said, the thing that they tried to use against her is that, you know, she would be a bad mother by leaving her son. Ultimately, no, she is Um, trying to be everyone's mother in a way that she is bringing this sense of love and compassion to children who do not have mothers or who have lost their parents. And that this simple gesture from someone like her, obviously, not only can help heal a tiny band-aid of the trauma that society has inflicted upon children, especially during this time who are living and dying from HIV and AIDS, especially in brown and black communities where the numbers are still higher than They're everything. They're still extremely high. Yeah, and that type of act of motherhood is where she goes, aha, this is the toolkit. I'm not only the people's princess, I definitely think this is it. You see that in the world tour, finally getting to there and her humanitarian aspect. But ultimately, it's this moment, the simple act of a hug, a touch, right? That can show that it's not only monetarily profitable, which is where the whole next season and the whole conversation about how Diana is scared. Yeah, how Diana is just makes money for people because people just buy it off of the you know anywhere they can get it right i don't so know that's why funny. you're judging me for having that sheep sweater for three hundred dollars in my fucking cart john so is the one that says i'm a luxury thing is how do i explain to anyone that i have two sweaters while living in florida in a cart worth 600 bucks no and Anjanette will will raise her hand for this hardcore as a woman Nothing rings truer than being told so often that your empathy, your, your, you know, ability to relate to folks, the fact that we're women and we have been allowed vulnerability, allowed to feel our feelings, like hashtag, I'm so sorry, John, for the toxic masculinity that has been inflicted on your people. But <laughs> like how often we as women are told like that is a crutch, right? Um, or, or that it, it could potentially put you into dangerous lanes. Like I've been told right. multiple times, I can't show too much care and compassion towards my students because I don't want to be that deemed on campus. Right, right. That it from is other professors. Right. That I need to perform a honestly, that I need to perform toxic masculinity to not harm 
my ability to have impact, right? And Diana is a deconstruction of that narrative for herself and for the viewer now, right? And for the people in real life who experienced it of actually, so your toxic masculinity is a turnoff and is not having any impact whatsoever. Let me show you the power of empathy. Let me show you the power of humanity. Let me show you that this is not going to get in the way of my trajectory. It is going to build it, right? And like that is for the, for, for the firm, devastating because it is counterintuitive well, I mean, and then look what happens with harry and megan thank like you harry, it, it is a mirror image mirror and he image. embodies what his mother taught him and then he tries to live it with his he finds a partner that mimics that and that and then it gets that correct. authentically lives it right yeah. um i have friends who who knew megan when she was in la and like literally apparently like from day one of birth this is a woman who has in her bones been this type of empathetic, soft, like humanitarian kind of look, you, you know, your kindred spirits. Right. So, so yeah, like Diana is deconstructing. She becomes the people's princess. But in, this is ultimately where this is the dominant. This is the domino where now yeah. the queen could never do this. So yeah, this yeah. is where there's obviously this is uh, the crown being the crown. I love the in vulture or like the crown's got a crown, but this is ultimately the episode. This is ultimately the setting up of the scene where it's like, and now Diana is a threat to the crown. More specifically, she is a threat to the arrangement with Camilla. Exactly. So I think it is really important to note the scene of her, of Camilla back home in her little farmhouse, multi-thousand million dollar, whatever, um, kitchen, watching Diana go from being that little girl who is obnoxiously existing in my world to fuck. That is the oh, princess of is, Wales. That is the people's threat. princess. I am no longer relevant in these cards. Not only that, I don't want to be. And here's where we're going to probably go to bat and we're going to have different opinions. But I'm going to let y'all like, I'm going to let y'all talk it out first. She cries to Charles like John, this scene. Charles is the worst thing. I, we're look, not we're never going to disagree on Charles being the worst. I, mean, I, I think Camilla's all I have you know, different opinions about Camilla here it. because I ultimately do think that just like Charles, and you know, I get what you're saying with him owning Diana. I think there's a sense of ownership. This is that Diana ultimately says, you don't own me and realizes that. And like Camilla's kind of like, well, you know, let's talk, right? Like what's, what's the bottom line? But ultimately with Camilla is I do wanna give her, and I wanna acknowledge like a sense of agency that she has here because it's not only different media portrayals of women versus women. I think that's really important because she sees herself and she had body weight issues as well. That's documented. There's all these things where, you know, Camilla sees this beautiful woman, blah, blah, blah. Right. But ultimately in acknowledging her own agency to move forward and say, you know what, this whole thing between you and me, Charles, it's yet yeah, toxic. And like, I don't need it right now. And so I'm going to step back over here because she, like as Princess Anne, our favorite character said, like she's oh, yeah. actually 
happy. Like she, she's fine with whatever life she has. She doesn't need you. And the thing that she kind of warns Charles about in the last episode is like the moment she realizes she doesn't need you, like you will be broken and you will have nothing. Well, and I want to, I want to follow the trajectory of Camilla a little bit around this discussion about agency. So we talked in one of our episodes, how much choice does, did Camilla have in particular about Charles and his infatuation with her? And so enough to say no and marry someone else, right? right. Um, and yet, how like to- toxic men don't take no very well when the toxic man is the future king of England, right? Is we also ev- like I think that's true, and and women that also subscribe pers- to toxic masculinity. Oh, I would I would say a hundred percent. So I think like they, I think there's will- a bowing down to power here right she she is not held there by shackles i think she is held there by her own belief in the the hereditary principle of royalty her own beliefs in this hierarchical power right um she historically has family members who have been mistresses of kings in her lineage legacy of mistress that is the legacy of trauma right imagine being like imagine with royalty like mistresses of royalty come with me Imagine being the mistress to the future king of England. That is a once in a lifetime situation. And yet, no, actually, my grandma was the mistress of the future king of England as well. It's like the family business. Like my God, right? And so I think I think what I what I like to land on with with her is it's an it's an and it's an and it's a both. Mm-hmm. I think she I think she had very little agency due to the fact that she was brought up within this toxic system. Um, You know, even if she wasn't part of the firm, she is part of the circle of royals. She is part of the people who benefit and believe in this hierarchy, right? I mean, she calls him sir and has called him sir from the day they met. So I think that we have to acknowledge that I don't know if she had at that time in her toolkit, like as a woman, the kind of deconstruction tools it takes to be like i i mean it when i say no i mean right, it or, when I say or that she that that's that's life like you right. have a, a husband and you have uh an affair and you have a miss a mister or mistress that's right. just we i think in a twin a post 2020 world in a 2021 world we have removed ourselves from a culture in a society where affairs and mistresses and having a paramour was very much accepted and her husband did as well so it's her i think it was slept with our favorite uh royal with anne multiple <laughs> times you know yeah. and, and it's one of those that like and diana's sister dated charles like there's there's just this incestuous there's a there's, there's a lot to unpack that we this is what we do this is how this is what we've always done this is what we always will do i have no right so here's power. the thing i respect this imaginary scene where she tells charles you know i see the writing on the wall right now there is no good ending here she uses the fairy tale metaphor which is for yeah. someone to be the hero of a fairy tale they have to be wronged and like like 
we you are never going to be the one who's wronged like it's just not like it's not in the cards for you if we do this we elevate her to sainthood within this right. narrative she was much smarter than charles in regards she, like she was doing their pr and he wasn't listening oh right yeah. and so whatever happens after this we're probably all gonna agree it's it's dirty it's it's just terrible it's it's ugly but this which i've read multiple biographies she really 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 tried to get out particularly during this period this conversation um i think to me speaks more about charles's lack of understanding of consent and a lack of reading the room there was no winning and we, and we hear it in camilla gate we hear it in a yeah. lot of the phone calls that yes. camilla's like oh you can't see me you have a wife you have you have a family you're the heir and yep. she kept you know there's there's a couple of them not the it's uncomfortable family. for me yeah so so while i can hate charles until the day that i die um i don't hate camilla i pity her i pity her and i to a certain extent feel like we will never know because she is in service of the king and the crown, right? So if someday her journals come out, I will put all of my Robin Hood stocks, uh, which is like $12 right now, I will put all of my Robin Hood stocks on the fact that there was a big consent issue, that in modern 2020 lens, she told this guy no so much and he broke her down. That is a cycle of abuse. Yeah. Like what I comes agree. out of it later is absolutely irrelevant to with just what we know, the phone calls that are available, the letters that, that became available. There's a cycle of abuse and there's a lack of consent. So we'll, we're going to see a lot more of that next season. Who we're not going to see any more of, thank goodness, is Miss Thatcher. Miss Thatcher. My God, I have never been so happy to see your boo exit left. John. I know. I, I, I mean, hate this performance. Like, that's, I hate like, it. I know you hate it. I love it. But, you know, it's fine. I don't need to revisit Voldemort in a terrible dress. I just don't. I don't. There, that's the weird thing is that, like, Thatcher gets this reprieve, like, a reprieve. Is that the right word? Whatever. I don't care. I'm owning it. You've never um, cared. Keep but, going. like, you know, the ways in which, um, you know, when Meryl Streep played her, everyone was like, oh my God, Margaret Thatcher, yeah, women power. And you're like, mm. yeah. And then now it's like everyone loves Gillian Anderson, of course, um, you know, and she's married to Peter Morgan too, right? Yes. 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 That's what she, I thought. She, she specifically asked for this role. Mm -hmm. um, so she'll be so. back though. You know, we're going to see her again. She's too good. Uh, well, but, so you know. We will see her. I'm pretty sure we're going to see her because um, in her retirement, she's given a baronet, um, baronessy, yeah. bar baronet, baron. So she becomes baroness -er, and she gets elevated to the House of Lords. Yeah, um, we'll see a different so, actress though, right? So we'll see, yeah, it'll be probably a, an aged actress, but we're going to see, she doesn't die till 2003. So mm -hmm. she's active in the House of Lords in the 1990s. Um, and she's active with all of the divorcing and, and the Nolan and the death. And she has opinions. And she's she got has opinions. opinions. <laughs> she's got opinions. And the British press was, was very open to hearing them. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, 
But we, we do get but I mean, the, it was a touching goodbye between her and the it queen. Was. We I do was about have to, to say, I mean, she gets a Sailor Moon brooch from the queen, and the queen's like, I don't give a lot of these out. I don't, uh, I only can give out like 10, right? Or right. something like that. Like, and she goes, and you're going to get one. And it was a touching scene. And I will just I would say, make like, a terrible queen. Like, half my kindergarten class would have gotten their little brooches, and then I would have none for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> Carla Sanchez and Zach Lefkowitz, who? They have brooches, royal brooches. Those are literally people I have not seen since kindergarten. They and can never get parking tickets ever again. Never. Said brooches. Never. Um, but yeah, the goodbye I think is interesting because uh, Peter Morgan loves to have the conversation through no conversation at all of how much the queen admires women with power but doesn't consider herself a woman with power. Uh, the scene so- is more so for Olivia Coleman and Jillian anderson to act with each other versus the content of the scene but i in an academic sense i i definitely read that scene as the two different sides of white feminism yes there's a Um, good conversation to be had here about how like margaret thatcher is the is wave feminist that did not bring up other women once they got Mm -hmm. power and um, the queen is the white feminist that thinks, if I just say conversations with my black neighbors and my brown neighbors, yeah. I'm, doing, I'm doing enough. Um, right. and, I, and, and I, I Margaret have Thatcher doesn't have the Black Lives Matter sign in her front yard. The queen has the all lives are good lives and yes. we love all science and whatever that like sign that she has in her front yard. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. But, and it's, the failing of white feminism. It, and, it, and it's interesting because I think I was like texting Anjanette that like one of the things that like leaves me a little discombobulated is that I can't help but wonder about the women who are succeeding in the firm right now because uh, everything we know is an indictment of anyone who succeeds in the firm, right? And so um, I think we might have uh, a, like a incremental change but um but yeah we've got we've got this woman who's unapologetically a karen we've got a woman who's like i don't associate with karens um and but she's like a phyllis she's like a phyllis yeah um she's karen's neighbor um who likes karen's muffins um and so she asks for the recipe she would never like her muffins because she's a karen but oh no don't you steal those broccoli broccoli casserole i'm like caroline Whoa. Um, I'm not even going to go there. But That's yeah. a TikTok reference, John. Just yeah, so you know. John's not on TikTok. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good scene for two actresses. It's a good scene for talking about how women in power do not equal feminism. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then... Um, and not all move- women are feminists. And not all men right. are feminists. Like, it's the whole... It's like that we've had this conversation so many times it's like women actually uphold toxic masculinity and patriarchy sometimes more than who else is going to defend their sons exactly no and that's but this i mean it's a larger conversation obviously it is actually we have to admire that the queen's uh lack of feminism isn't rooted in the fact that she loves her son it's just rooted in her disdain for women yeah Um, (laughs) and the crown and the crown let's get to the scene the The scene. scene the scene we have a really, really disgusting fight in this episode. 
um, I was texting my brother yesterday as I was rewatching and I'm like, is there anyone else in modern history whose life has been dramatized while they were still alive? And, uh, and my brother at first was like, yeah, there's plenty of people who have, uh, been around for, and then he goes, wait, no, not like this. And I was like, no. Right. I was like, who I would not like to live through this as a human in this world right so I would not like to see someone put what they think Brett and I have thought about on camera like this uh, because it is brutal to watch and we know enough to know that while this is a dramatized scene no matter how much Kensington Palace is like you need to put a disclaimer um, this scene rings so true and it is gutting to watch. Um, yeah. So, so this is where the grotesque misalliance comment comes into play, and where. Uh, well, and this is where Charles comes. really shows to Diana that he will always side with Camilla. And yes. it's because, and he says it, and it's because of her actions in New York that she you hurt, hurt Camilla. Camilla, and then therefore right. you hurt me. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he interpreted Camilla's read of the room, which was accurate, not particularly aggressive, just accurate. He interpreted it as in Camilla had interpreted Diana's excellence as a challenge to Camilla. And a slap and a slap and a of saying slap that Camilla would never do that. Right. Whereas, <laughs> do I think that again, two truths, the philosopher, um, do I think that you can try to look really good in front of an ex-boyfriend while also killing it while doing something? Can both things be true? Yes. Do I think that there was a lot at stake emotionally for her to show up and be like, I'm here, I'm amazing, and like, fuck all of you? Yes. Do I think that that was intentionally done with literally Camilla in mind? No. No. And not in the way that Charles implies, which is, you hurt her, you hurt me. There was no harm being done. I was was not harming you when I was hugging a child that was dying, Thank you. This is how self-centered and removed from reality these people are, right? Um, It is a gross scene. I mean, like, I think the one thing that we get from this conversation, um, which... I felt like I have seen this happen with, with folks who have been in toxic relationships. I feel like this fight was the one step too far, which may have this, and again, this is all dramatized, but that this type of interaction is what triggers in Diana, uh, I need to remove myself from the narrative. Not that she can remove herself from out, the larger narrative. Yeah, in, in real time, it plays out like this scene most likely had to have happened because then they're not kind to each other in in news and they're not kind to each other at any of the like you there's clearly some uh, a fundamental schism that happens in their congress together yeah um that they can't even stand the sight of each other and you see it in pictures like we have the historical evidence of them going on tours and they're like sitting so far removed from each other, be so palatable. 
Yeah, no, it, it really is. And the show does a strange thing here. It implies that like Diana goes to the bathroom and is about to make herself throw up and then decides not to, which I think is actually really damaging uh, to the discussion around bulimia and eating disorders, because it implies that like a bulimia or an eating disorder is um, intimately tied with whether or not you are happy. And that is not actually how it works. Or what you I'm, can just make uh, one decision. You can just make a decision to stop. Um, yeah. What I will say is I think what Peter Morgan, white man TM was trying to say was that Diana has a moment of reckoning with herself after Charles lays bare his cruelty and his, his agenda, right? Because there is no, the agenda I don't think had been made clear to her until that moment that he's not giving up Camilla. He is not going to celebrate her even even as a person, right? So she could she could 100% accept the mistress and he is still going to be like, make yourself small, make yourself invisible and how dare you, right? So I think that that coming to Jesus moment is worth it. Um, and the fight leads to this final scene, which is actually my favorite scene of this entire season. Um, right. I don't know why it resonates so much for me. I think it's because... Um, most of us have had that moment where we literally have to transform our spine into titanium and walk into a room with, with a different armor than the one we have walked into that room with before, right? Like this is a survivor scene for me. This is, this is the narrative of what it means to, to officially say no to toxicity and officially be like, no right so yeah and i wonder if he's they're using it as a way of showing that she's stern how to combat against charles like because i'm just remembering like when they when they separate and charles goes like in real time like and she has the very famous black revenge dress oh the dress she learns how to use the, mm -hmm. and her position um to combat the toxicity of, of Charles, to combat anything that gets thrown at her. Um, so I read it a little bit as, is this, is this what they're trying to do is to show that she's, she's gaining or learning. I mean, they did it in the wrong way and in, in the wrong matter, but I'm, that's where I'm seeing in the future is, is this her being able to learn the tool? This, this is the needs? toolbox, right? Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that I, I really, admire i will say of both kate middleton and of megan markle is that look there's very little that they can do within their roles aside from handshaking and patronage right and yet every single dress says something every piece of jewelry says something right so when the dress that is worn is one that is tied to you know sustainable fabric or it's tied to a women's and, shelter and she somewhere pakistan, she wore all pakistani designers exactly exactly like so the history of women in these positions using what is traditionally considered frivolous right the frivolous aspects of luxury and using them as political tools to wield power um i think is fascinating it's actually what i'm obsessed with when it comes to to royals and the way in which they use these things to say certain things right um the absence of things also means something kate middleton refusing to wear black during the me too movement was a 
big, big, big fuck up. Um, well, and she the, did. So she did wear it a little bit because the sash she wore. The so sash. for folks who who don't have context, um, during a red carpet, it was asked that folks in solidarity with the Me Too movement wear black. This is an event that William and Kate went to, and there was, was a the lot Baptist. of chatter. The yeah, the yeah. Baptists. There was a lot of chatter of whether or not one it would be appropriate for her to wear black because royals need to be neutral when it comes to politics, but two whether or not. Uh, the assault of women, sexual assault, is a political conversation. The answer to that is no, right? And then she took a very Kate Middleton stance, which is um, she went somewhere in the middle. So she didn't wear a black dress, Bullpen. but she wore, a, she wore a black sash. And a lot of folks were like, that is the epitome of kind of the activism that we've seen from her, which I think is embedded with some misogyny, while also being a fair critique that it would have it been a good moment to use your power and no one would have been like, I cannot believe that she took a political stance on assault is wrong, right? Right, and that's where her and Megan are so fundamentally different is that Megan in that situation most likely would have worn an all black Girl dress. Girl would have been wearing a black dress, like, because yeah. it was a no brainer and a good PR team. It's not just because we're Americans and we navigate much more honestly than stiff upper lip Brits. That was a bad PR move, right? But I agree with you that Diana in this Christmas scene is starting to really understand, mm -hmm. okay, so here's my tools. I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them for myself, person. for my children, and yeah. I'm going to use them for, for good, for good, right? She's so, right, different John, person. she is a completely different She's person. a completely different person. Oh, she That's... walks in, again, yeah. the framework is steel now it is steel and and no one's gonna particularly in this christmas scene so it starts off with baby it's cold outside which is not a coincidence it's fucking freezing in there which is also right. a non-consensual song when you also think which also, also has layers song. of violence consent issues uh the queen ices her out again baby it's cold outside and she goes upstairs to get ready to come back downstairs and just have to do that thing we all do at thanksgiving which is okay um, and Prince Philip comes in and no, she again, wasn't even going to show up. Remember she's, she's not even yeah, she dressed. Doesn't go. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want to go. She doesn't roll up in one of the Rolls Royce, right? She rolls up by herself. Um, Prince Philip comes in and again, we've gotten more fathering scenes from Prince Philip worthy of praise than any mothering scenes from the queen. And he kind of tries to reason with her and, and he's like, he says out loud, the firm is difficult. I get it. Like, this is a difficult family to be a part of, right? He knows that having come in, right, uh, like he likes to remind us, in a lemon crate for Dickie to find a, a partner for to not let his royal lineage die. Um, and I think what breaks my heart about this conversation is I think Philip is trying really hard here. Um, the problem is that fundamentally, Philip was in line for a crown. So he understands this this very messed up idea of anything for the crown like you cannot and this is indicative of real life yes right right like you came and diana um and he was her support yes yes i yeah. think this is this is honestly him begging her change the framework in your brain from you to us and it'll be fine that's what i had to do right he and he did we see that in so many like the problem is, and again, Margaret, we get it with Philip, we get it, I don't want to touch on any of the other kids, because aside from Anne, who we worship, but like, he's saying, like, the problem is you're still centering 
the service and life around you, if you just make it about the firm, anything is bearable and this becomes easier, right? And my issue is why was this pep talk not had before she walked down the yeah. aisle? Just, I mean, like yeah. for, for well, this child. Margaret tried, Margaret. Margaret begged them to have this conversation, right? And how do, yeah. and again, I'll be honest, can a child actually understand what's being said when you're being told, are you willing, we signed student loans, right? Did I sign with any form of understanding of what I signed on to at that age? No, no. Should I have? Yes. Would have made a massive difference in my life if Diana had had it spelled out for her that. Well, but if also Charles would have had it spelled out to yes. him, he yes. could not have done and kept Camilla the way that he did. It's twofold. It's twofold. If, if, if just the honest conversations were had, granted, I feel like Charles was told, drop it, like stop it. I mean, we get the metaphorical Dickie letter. We get all of it. Diana did not get this conversation when she, it's useless to her now, right. particularly because Philip doesn't have the context that Charles has said, everything you fucking do hurts me and hurts her. Everything. Like, you're, like I'll, I'll go as far as to say the only good Diana in the Charles scenario is a dead Diana. And that is extremely foreboding. Ooh. It's, uh, it's it's really really foreboding um when he asks her how the room feels she says it's like a frozen tundra right and then she says i think we need to separate and these words like this is this is in one of the biographies um he says i just don't see that ending well for you right right Which is like, and she's and she becomes very adamant in telling the public this is what will happen like yes and she was called uh, taylor swift's mad woman is playing in the background she was called yeah. hysterical mad insane for saying like if i die i did not die by accident right and and like there's a ton of really good podcasts that have done a lot of work on the conspiracies on diana's death they're totally worth visiting um i will well, in uh, her own interview in where she's all yeah. the crown won't let me live and and right now there's a lot of controversy over folks saying like her introvert her interviews were coerced, um, particularly the Bashir one. Here's the thing, Andrew Morton's, she literally gave verbatim. Like that yeah. was not a coerced interview, anything like that. I will tweet out for folks some of the really good podcasts who have done the work on this. Mm -hmm. But look, I just I will not be able to shake the fact that we end this season on Philip uh looking at her and being like, I don't think this is going to go well for you. And then her coming down, coming down mm -hmm. the stairs. I don't know if you guys caught this. So she's coming down the stairs looking like the queen that she is. And the yes. dead stag that is behind her, right? Yep. The stag that technically brought her into the family is now dead behind her is such, yeah. I mean, it is for everything that Peter Morgan is not, he is very good at nailing symbolism like the cross right there for you to read into i was like oh i'm not ready for and so normally ends with the queen but it, now it and the final shot yes. is with diana she is now yes the crown yeah, yeah. to the queen's detriment right uh Nothing will oh, yeah. haunt the queen's legacy like her her handling of Diana. But yes, we get a transition. Like of, Helen Mirren. Um, yeah. 
uh, her film about the um, what she the, does after the queen. So the queen, the the queen, queen. is actually <laughs> the queen. It, it, the queen. it's directed by Peter Morgan. That yeah. is his. That he is his like film. The, he this is like man the authority has dedicated figure. his whole life to be like, look at this family, y'all. Look at this. This is look one at this up family. family. <laughs> yes, look at them. Look at this. Um, look at this dumpster fire. Look at this, this dumpster fire. Honestly, I just wish he had called Meghan Markle up and been like, can we just, for, can we have a chat? I don't know if I you guys know. watch Love Island. Can I pull you for chat? Needed to be pulled for a chat. A hundred percent. So season five will be here in 2022. Super exciting as a watcher, not super exciting as someone who struggles with generalized anxiety and is very like connected to the story. So terrified. <laughs> Uh, Elizabeth Debicki will be playing Princess Diana, which John knows was my original pick. Yes. Uh, years ago, I was like, if she doesn't play she Diana, was I'm go- really. I was like, I'm I'm just gonna be livid. And when when Emma was picked, I was like, fuck it. I was so I was so upset. And then when I heard that Elizabeth Debicki had been picked for these years, um, and a massive bow down to Emma Corwin for an an unbelievable inhabiting of a role that is nearly impossible to nail because she just got a golden was it a golden globe or an a golden nomination um literally actress to mirror the queen stuff she got it for lead actress with olivia coleman yep this is an impossible role to take no woman in the 20th century has been as beloved i would say as princess diana other than the queen right? And and Princess Diana more so because of the tragic ending. And so for this young girl to step into this role, embody it with the nuance to make it fresh and make it feel so authentic and not a mimic. Very, very excited. Very excited. Jonathan Price, aka uh, Pope uh, Francis, uh, also the, the High Sparrow, right? Yes, Jonathan yeah, Price, High Sparrow, will be playing Prince Philip, makes total sense. They're gonna have to put him on, like, flats or, or like, some type of, like, Tom Cruise type shoe, because he's, like, my height, and Prince Philip yeah, is, like, me. John's height. Um, Imelda Staunton, aka Dolores Umbridge, will be playing Queen Elizabeth during her most umbridge years, which is going to yeah. be delightful um I love and, her. and that's the last queen too like amilda staunton is yes this is the last iteration yes. of this is um the last transformation so um what's his face from the affair now i can't remember his name is playing prince charles um it's a huge compliment to charles uh similar yeah, to Josh. Like, like i'm like oh. wow they're really trying to like, <laughs> make him or but is the it thing the is, is if you watch the affair with, um lily allen that's yes, playing. yes. Uh, they got no. They got Dominic. caught with um with uh, what is her name? She played Cinderella. Uh, Lily Allen. No, Lily. No, not Lily Allen. Um, Lil- James. Lil- there we go. Lily James. The dude. So Dominic, that's, that's actually um, how I'd like to refer to him. The man who was blessed enough to be in Lily's presence and Leslie Manville yeah. will be playing Princess Margaret. So an amazing cast coming up, super exciting. I mean, we're going to have a lot of heavy things in season five. You're going to have the death of Princess Margaret and the Queen Mother mm-hmm. and Diana. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Not, Jesus and Not Jeanette. a death what of Charles. No. Not, not a death of the Queen, but of the Queen Mother, the Princess Royal, and the princess of wales all will be um 
no more. The and the, the drop of an epic divorce that includes everything from accusations of attempted murder to discussions about wanting to be a tampon in someone. It is just going to be what, John, your face. It is going to be one hell of a season. I did, but it like is. when I think about like foreplay and sexual talk, like I'm not going to like the tampon love. Like I'm not saying like it's so bad. It's it, is, like, it is. It is honestly. I read it after the last one because we talked about it in our it, last. It is we, horrific. It is. There's no. Um. There's no coming back from it. Like I don't. Luckily, none of them have real relationships with each other. Because if I ever found out that my dad said that to my mom, like I'd never look anyone mm-hmm. in the face again. Like ever. Like there's no coming back from it. I mean, there's there's so much in this in the 90s that happened in England and and Diana and, and like the introduction I'm wonder, I'm curious to know if they're gonna include like Versace and Elton right. John and Diana going to clubs with Freddie Mercury and so here's um, the cross-dress. thing if we are following Peter Morgan's love of men and their interior lives and we have to accept mm-hmm. some storylines that shouldn't be in the in the last 20 episodes Give me, give me Freddie Mercury. Give me Elton John, right? Like, finally, finally, like, yes, please. I would love to get the interior, like, Versace. Um, I, I just finished Elton John, Elton John's book, and he actually had a falling out with her right before, yeah. um, she died over. And it's, it's the death of Versace that brings them back together. Yes, yeah, yeah, and like, I was like reading through that. Give, give me all of that. Give me all of it. Do not Jody Fayed. I want. I want the yacht. I want that he sweeps her. Tells her that he's going to protect her. And the only thing I I don't particularly need, and y'all are just going to have to Xanax me up, is her and Mother Teresa, who everyone knows I think is one of the craziest uh, narratives that has ever come out of of history. That is like absolutely incorrect. Uh, we'll see what happens. Mother Teresa's camps were at the level of concentration camps when they were examined. She denied people medicine. She was a fucking monster. And I hope Peter Morgan, who hates women, actually finally hates on a woman that deserves it. There we go. That's the T. Dropping it. There. And that, a hard that tea. <laughs> is the end of the season. That's <laughs> it. Season seven of the it's been theologian. a fucking pleasure, y'all. <laughs> Oh man. Y'all knew what I was gonna ride. go out on a hating Mother Teresa rant. I'll die on that hill. There's like 20 hills I'll die on. Honestly, it's very easy to kill me. Like that is what I, I, mean, I will die on. <laughs> you die on that one. I die on the Charles Camilla. <laughs> I Honestly, I agree. I hear you. This whole episode, I will never forget or forgive Camilla. Here, all. let's end on this. I think we can both agree that it will be hilarious if Peter Morgan who's dedicated his entire life to honoring the story of the royals and admiring the royals manages to actually single-handedly bring down the royals. Like, I think that that, and to bring them down by just retelling the Diana Charles Camilla story. That's all it's going to take is for Gen Zers to find out, which if you've been on TikTok, they know and they're angry about it. I mean, they went crazy with this season, so I can't even imagine what's going to happen with They're not five. ready for Tampon Gate, but we are, and we'll see you when it happens. That's right. The next season. Bye, y'all.